Today on Abounding Grace, consider whether or not Jesus is Lord over your life. So often when there is that place of struggling and and you might find a lack of fruit in your life, just a lack of joy, a, a lack of obedience, whatever it might be, so many times that really isn't an issue that where you need more information. I can't tell you how many times when somebody's come into my office, sat down after a service, we've talked about the issues in their life, and their response was, oh, I know that, I've heard that before. I know you have, because it's not an issue of information, it's an issue of lordship. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? This is amazing grace. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? Whatever your answer is to that question, keep listening for an insightful talk on spiritual gifts today on Abounding Grace. It's part of Ed Taylor's series on the Holy Spirit. Today we'll learn that there are four different categories in the realm of spiritual gifts. The first is what we might call motivational gifts. Here's Pastor Ed to draw that out for us from 1 Corinthians 12 and John 14. Open your Bibles to John chapter 14. That's where we'll start again to lay the foundation of where we are in this sub-series. Remember, John chapter 14 is a chapter where Jesus is encouraging the disciples. It's a very anxious, discouraging time for them because now in this part of the Gospel of John, we're in the last week of the life of Jesus, just days ahead From this time of Jesus talking to his disciples, he will be brutally beaten. He will be viciously crucified and put into a tomb, sealed around the tomb as the stone is rolled in front of it. And then Roman guards will be placed there to guard the tomb. And the disciples, his followers, will have to go on with their life. As he's sharing and warning with them about what's coming up ahead, they're discouraged. That's why he starts in verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. They're very troubled at hearing these words. They're very troubled processing the thought of not having Jesus with them. They're very troubled at not having their best friend with them anymore. Not having their mentor. Not having their rabbi. Not having their pastor. They've spent three years with him, over a thousand days, morning, noon, and night, together with this man. And he's telling them that he's leaving. Of course, he also told them that he would rise again. But like so many times you and I, we camp on the bad news and don't get to the good news. And he's encouraging them. What we're about to read in chapter 14 is encouraging words from Jesus' lips to the heart of his followers when he says in verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. And who is this helper? He says in verse 17, Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus says you will have a relationship with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, God. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. He will be with you, he says. He will be in you. And later we learn he will come upon you in power. 
You will not be alone. He says, I won't leave you orphans. I'll come to you. You won't be abandoned. Even though you may feel like that, the Spirit of God will come and dwell in you. And whenever the topic of spiritual gifts is mentioned, there are always many ears tuning in and wanting to know more about the gifts of the Spirit. Wanting to know about, more about the person of the Holy Spirit. Wanting to know more about the power of the Holy Spirit. And knowing that's you, it's very encouraging to be surrounded by men and women that want to walk in the gifts. That want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. That want to be led by the Spirit. That want to be taught by the Spirit. That want things to be reminded by the Spirit. That's a good thing and I'm glad that you're eager to learn. There are some foundational things that we're learning. And some of what we'll learn today will be repetition. But in the repetition, that's where real learning takes place. If you really want to learn something, you want to continually repeat it. And I'd encourage you, if you don't already, take notes. Jot things down. Write in your Bible so that you don't forget these foundational truths as we are growing together in our understanding of the need for us to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of our flesh. In Romans chapter 13, I'll read it to you in verse 11. It says, Do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. I believe one way that God has equipped us to not make provision for the flesh. That's another way of saying don't make room for your flesh to grow. Don't feed your flesh. Don't feed the sinful side of you. Don't feed things that will take you away from God and not draw near to God. Don't make any provision. Don't set your flesh up to be fed or to be satisfied Stay away. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The idea is like putting a garment on. Cover up that flesh with the Lord. Walk in the Spirit, you could say. And as we're learning what it means to walk in the Spirit, I think God has given to every believer, every single believer has been given a spiritual gift at the moment they were born again. Every single one of us. So that we might learn how to walk properly. Exercising His gifts within the church and outside of the church putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are different levels and different parts, different categories to spiritual gifts. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 so that we can be reminded of the different categories and ministries of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul will open up to the church in Corinth, which is a carnal church, a church of the flesh, Yes, it's possible for believers within a local church to be very carnal. And yes, it's possible for believers in a local church, for the majority of the believers to be carnal in that local congregation. And if that's the case, then we can expect, if we ever become that, we can expect the Lord to write us a letter and say, you guys are carnal. You need to repent. Don't don't say and, and make a big deal about you being a believer and then live like the devil. That's carnal. That's fleshly. You're making provision for your flesh. Now, fortunately, we've never received a letter like that from the Lord, but the church in Corinth has. They're a carnal church, and yet they're also a church gifted with spiritual gifts. They have been rich with all spiritual things. 
They're operating in the gifts, even though sometimes it's out of order. And he writes to this church, he says, now concerning spirituals, and if you've been with us, you've already marked that in your Bible, spirituals or spiritualities. Paul is talking about the realm of the spirit, not just gifts. He's talking about the totality. You'll notice in your New King James that the word gifts is in italics. And when a word is in italics, that is giving us information that the translators added that word. It's not in the original Greek language. They added that word to help us understand where Paul was going. But in this case, I think it would have been better to leave it out and simply read this verse, now concerning spiritual things or spirituals, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, concerning spiritual things, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. And I want you to see a couple marks of what the Spirit is in your life. First of all, no one is going to blaspheme God being led by the Spirit. The Spirit of God will never lead us to the flesh, never lead us to blaspheme God. That is you, not God, blaspheming him himself. The Holy Spirit in you will never blaspheme himself. Number one. Number two, none of us can call Jesus Lord without the Holy Spirit. Now that's an important thing I want to spend just a brief moment on for you. Because there are those times in your life where you're just struggling. You don't have the answer. You're not quite sure what to do. And in that struggle, you may call us here at the church, the pastors, the lay leaders, and say, I, I need to sit down with someone. I want some counseling. And one of the pastors will make an appointment, and you'll come in. And what you call counseling, we prefer to call spiritual discipleship because we're discipling you. And if you come to sit with one of the pastors here, one of the leaders here, what you won't receive is a psychological answer. We won't try to analyze your past and we, we won't go into that realm. What we will do is we will pray, we will open up the Bible, and we will give you God's word as it relates to the situation in your life. Because we know that God's word applied in your life and the power of the Holy Spirit will cause you to cease from struggling and start to do what God has called you to do. And what we call that, what, what the Bible calls that, is the lordship of Jesus Christ. So often... When there is that place of struggling and, and you might find a lack of fruit in your life, a, just a lack of joy, a, a lack of obedience, whatever it might be, so, much, so many times that really isn't an issue that where you need more information. I can't tell you how many times when somebody's come into my office, sat down after a service, we've talked about the issues in their life, and their response was, oh, I know that, I've heard that before. I know you have, because it's not an issue of information, it's an issue of lordship. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Not just Savior, not just believing Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, but rather seeing him as the Lord of your life. Now here's the problem. We don't like people to lord our lives. We prefer to run our own lives. Because lordship is a really tricky area. Spiritual leaders in the Bible, we are told not to lord it over the people. So there is a level where with us, it is not from the Lord for us to lord over you. But I want you to know when the Spirit of God is working in your life, it is always forever God's will for Jesus to lord your life. He is a good Lord. And what that means is that you and I live lives of obedience and we trust Jesus with our lives. He is the Lord of your life. Maybe that's just you. Maybe that is why part of your life you haven't been walking in the Spirit, you haven't been declaring Jesus as Lord, 
not just with your lips. It's easy to call Jesus Lord with our lips, but rather following through with your lives. Paul says, look, nobody can call Jesus Lord except by the Spirit, but when you do declare him Lord and live that way, you just know the Spirit of God is in your life. That should be an encouragement to you. You're like, yeah, I obeyed God. Well, that's evidence of the Spirit of God in your life, the obedience to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, that being said, in verses 4, 5, 6, and 7, we have four different categories as it relates to spiritual gifts that we want to learn from. Paul breaks up the spiritual gifts throughout the scriptures into four categories. The first one is in verse 4 when he says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Some of you have already written next to verse 4, Romans chapter 12. These are the gifts of Romans chapter 12. The spiritual gifts, the motivational gifts, the gift that God moves you with, what you, how you were designed to serve the body of Christ when you were born again is one of these seven spiritual gifts. When you're doing what you like doing and, and God seems to be blessing that part in your life, that's probably related to your spiritual gift. And you'll see as we go through them one by one, that, will, that is where we'll spend most of our time at the end of this series, looking one week at a time at one gift at a time, so that by the, by the time that we're over and finished with that study, you will know what your spiritual gift is primarily, and you may find that a couple of them operate in your life, but one moves you, one motivates you. It's what you get up in the morning to do, why God has put you on the planet. Your spiritual gift will motivate you and move you to action. So hold your place in Corinthians and let's go back to Romans chapter 12 so we can see them just for the sake of reading them. Romans chapter 12. Stay, stay in 1 Corinthians 12 because we'll be back very quickly here. But here are the gifts. Romans chapter 12 verse 6. Romans chapter 12 verse 6. These are the diversities of gifts mentioned by Paul. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, let's use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, another way of saying service, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches, in teaching. He who exhorts, in exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. And he who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Seven primary motivational gifts. Every born-again believer has one. Sometimes they have more. Back in 1 Corinthians now, verse 5 of of chapter 12. Not only are there diversities of gifts, but the next category is there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Differences of ministries. Paul now turns his attention to a different category of the work of the Spirit, and he speaks of specific callings that Jesus has given some people to do within the church. Leadership roles. Turn over now to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. They are mentioned for us here. There are four of them. I don't believe they are all of those positions where the Spirit operates, but they are four primary ones that God has given, that Jesus has given to the church. And they're found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, where it says, He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. 
So God has given apostles to the church. Now, there is a very strict category of apostles that is limited to the first century. And there are 13 apostles. There are 12 minus Judas and plus, I believe, Paul that were given as the foundation of the church. But now today, there is still that role of apostle because the, the word literally means one that's sent out. And, and there, is that, there is that person, there are those people within the church that are sent out with the gospel. We, we refer to them as church planners or we refer to them as missionaries. Or in a very general sense, some of you just have that heart to constantly go out with the gospel. Where you have no hesitation to look somebody in the eye and talk to them about Jesus. I mean, there you are standing. I was recently, I was thinking about this because recently I was at the gas station filling up Marie's gas tank because you remember the Bible study. We don't want it to get empty. You guys remember that? You guys remember? All right, so I'm taking it to heart. I want to take care of my wife. I want to make sure she doesn't um, try to drive her car on fumes. So I'm there and there was another guy there um, filling up on the other side of the gas tank and I'm just kind of thinking, you know, I should probably talk to this guy, but then I don't know and I should. And before I made a decision, boom, he was gone. Now, some of you wouldn't let that happen. You have that sense of being sent. And maybe even before you put the nozzle in your own car, you're already talking to that person. And there's a manifestation of that gifting in your life. Not, not the authority of an apostle, because sometimes, you know, there are churches today that go, we have apostles that only speak truth into the church. That, that's not true. Uh, there aren't apostles in the first century type today. But there are those that are sent out. And you look at some of the other, other giftings, a pastor, teacher, the, the prophet, the one that speaks forth the word of God. Very powerful. Very powerful gifting, very powerful offices. These are the diversities of activities, and I don't think, excuse me, differences of ministries, and I don't think it's an exhaustive list. Then, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's another category. In verse 6, it says there are diversities of activities but it is the same God who works all in all. Now, the diversity of activities has everything to do with how the uniqueness of spiritual gifts operate in individual people. How you can have, I think listening to Grace FM is a great example of that, where you have a collection of men that are obviously gifted as pastors and teachers, but their teaching is very different. They have a uniqueness about them. They have a personality about them. They have a, an angle that the Lord has given them. They have a, a, a uniqueness in how they deliver the word. They're delivering the same word, the same truths. But because the gift operates differently in them, that's what makes them unique. This is known as the diversities of activities. It's the same God using the same gifts in different people. And there's a tremendous diversity in the church of Jesus Christ today and especially in our own congregation so many gifts use so many different ways. The idea of the word activities, you could also translate energies. Energies. When you're using your gifts for Jesus, all sorts of things going on at the same time, all sorts of different directions, but the same God in the same oneness. The final category is found in verse 7. The category now is, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So we have ministries, Romans chapter 12. We have activities, Ephesians chapter 4. We have uniqueness, that's in verse 7. And then in, excuse me, verse 6. And then in verse 7, you have the manifestations. They're listed for us right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. When he says, for to one is given, verse 8, the, the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. 
to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. There's been a lot in the church that have become confused because they've been taught that verses 8 through 11 is just a listing of another all kinds of gifts that you can have and use at any time. But the Bible doesn't call them that. The Bible calls these manifestations of the Spirit. And the manifestations of the Spirit literally means to make visible the work of the Spirit. And these are things to help make visible and in some cases audible the gifts and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We could look at the manifestations of the Spirit as tools that the Spirit gives us when we need them, that come alongside in our giftings to help serve God and others effectively, and there are nine of them listed for us. So let's step back for a moment and consider, as we look at this in a way that God will put this all together, notice verse 4, that the gifts of the Spirit are associated with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 5, the differences of ministries are associated with the same Lord. And then in verse 6, the diversity of activity or energies are associated to God the Father. And this is something to really consider. When, When the Spirit of God is operating in your life, it's the entirety of the triune God using you. We have the Son active in your life. We have the Father active in your life. And we have the Spirit of God active in your life. I mean, that's something that is mind-blowing to think that the triune God indwells us and uses us in wonderful, powerful ways as He sees fit. The gifts are linked to the Spirit. The ministries are linked to the Son. The operations or the energies are linked to the Father. And the Godhead is involved in everything that we do that pleases Him. That's just amazing. It really is amazing. Pastor Ed Taylor has been describing four different categories related to the spiritual gifts, and he'll have the rest of this message for you tomorrow on Abounding Grace. To purchase a CD copy of this message, call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. You can also find our studies online at calvaryaurora.org for instant access. And check out the Calvary Aurora and the Grace FM Colorado apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora and listen to great Bible teaching as you're on the go. Well, Ed, we have something we'd like to get into our listeners' hands, and it's free and accessible through our website. What can you tell us about it? I'm so excited to be able to present to you some tools that we used here at Calvary when we go through this series, some bookmarks that have the highlights of each gift, and they're good to share You can just go to them, download them, print it out, cut them, and give them away where they're meant to help you remember the core components of each spiritual gift. Because I'll tell you what, once you learn the spiritual gifts, you're going to want to help others learn what their spiritual gifts are. You see, the Bible isn't just to equip you for you to learn, but rather our responsibility in teaching the Bible is to equip you that you might go out and serve others. Isn't that exciting? I can't wait to hear the feedback of the first person you were able to help find their spiritual gift. It's not as hard as it sounds. So go to our website, calvaryaurora.org, and download these free bookmarks that we have set up for you there, calvaryaurora.org. Here in the month of August, we've picked out a resource we think you'll enjoy and get a lot out of. It's called Living Water. 
and authored by the late Pastor Chuck Smith. Would you like to be filled with the Spirit and have the Holy Spirit flow forth out of your life like a torrent of living water? That can become a reality. Pastor Chuck will lead you step by step into this marvelous relationship with God made possible by the work of the Spirit as you read Living Water. Ask for a copy when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Please remember that it's through your financial support that we're able to bring Abounding Grace to your radio station every day. We're continually asking the Lord to provide for this radio ministry, and often He does so through caring listeners. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryaurora.org. Ed Taylor is the pastor of Calvary Aurora, and we invite you to join us for a worship service here during the summer. There's a Saturday evening service at 6 and two Sunday morning services at 845 and 1045. You can also join us Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We can tell you more at calvaryaurora.org. Set aside another half hour to join us tomorrow when we'll hear more about the Holy Spirit from Pastor Ed Taylor here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora, Colorado.